This week's podcast brought to you by Trash Stabbers. Well, as we record this, last night, Monday Night Football, the Giants beat the 49ers in a close game, and it made me think of 15 years ago when those two teams played each other in a wild card playoff game. You and I weren't yet married. It was at the end of the 2002 season. We got married in the spring of 2003, and um, your dad is a gigantic Giants fan, no pun intended, and we invited him over to bond, to have some beer, some snacks, some friendly conversation, get to know one another, and watch the Giants game. The Giants were up, I think, 24 points at one point in that game. The 49ers came back. They won on a very controversial uh, last-second call that should have been pass interference on the Giants' behalf, but it, it didn't go for the Giants. The Giants lost 39-38. to Still, we had a great four or five hours together. I think your dad only spoke to the TV screen during that whole time. And when we went to say goodbye, he stood at the door and said, well, that was a complete waste of time. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. Road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. This past weekend, I was in uh, Arizona and New Mexico for Showdown on the Res. It was a women's basketball game. Baylor was playing uh, against Arizona State at a Native American reservation in Fort Defiance, Arizona. And it was not an easy place to get to. You fly to Albuquerque, New Mexico, and then it's a two and a half, three hour drive to get to the reservation. But I'm really hoping they make it an annual event. It's the first time that that they've done this there for women's basketball. First time ESPN has covered it. It was an amazing experience. It was a 6,500 seat arena. It's where their high school team plays, this, this spectacular arena. And it was full. And the native people were so absolutely welcoming to us. They're, they're huge basketball fans, surprisingly a lot of UConn fans. And it was just such an amazing environment. The national anthem was sung by an eight-year-old girl in um in Navajo, and it was um, it was amazing. And anyway, it just got me thinking to the last time I was in the state of New Mexico at all. I think it was the last time I was in New Mexico, um, but definitely the last time I was on a reservation down there, and um, was in back in 2000. And there's a bit of a story involved. I was playing in the WNBA at the time for the New York Liberty. I was super involved with WNBA.com. I had my little blog, The World According to Me, that I would write for them. This is kind of when that stuff was a little bit newer. And President Clinton was president at the time. And, um, and at some point, I got a call from somebody at the WNBA, and they said that the White House had been in touch with them. President Clinton was doing a press conference out in East Palo Alto and wanted to know if I would be a part of it. The, the press conference was to announce an initiative that they were um, using to, or doing to get uh, internet into low-income communities. And at that point, it was more dial-up internet. Anyway, they wanted to know if I'd be willing to go out to East Palo Alto and be part of the press conference. So of course, I said I would do that. And then, I don't know if it was a week later, I don't remember the exact timing, but Somebody called back and said right after the press conference in East Palo Alto, President Clinton was going to be going to a Native American reservation in New Mexico. Would I also like to make that trip and um, or would I also like to be a part of that press conference? They said the only catch was there was no really easy way to get there, so I'd have to fly on Air Force One. And so, of course, I said I would love to do that. So I, I don't really remember going out to East Palo Alto. I do remember staying. It was almost like in a motel, Steve. It was two floors. It wasn't, you know, it, we weren't out in, in, in like a big normal high-rise hotel. It's like two-floor motel. And at one point, I was walking down like, you know, it's one of those ones where you're, you know, you're outside. I was outside, came out of my room. So I was actually physically outside the hotel. Somebody was walking by and they said, oh, Rebecca, the Reverend would like to see you. And I was like, okay, the Reverend would like to see me. So I go down the hall and all of a sudden I walk in a room and who walks out but Jesse Jackson. And he's like in his wife beater t-shirt 
I don't even remember if he was wearing pants or just shorts or what it was, but I just distinctly remember standing right in front of me now is Reverend Jesse Jackson in a wife beater t-shirt. Anyway. Also known as a sleeveless t-shirt. Right. You can still call it a wife beater, can't you? Or is that not okay these days? Okay. Well, in in a sleeveless tank toppy t-shirt. Anyway, we, um, we went to, uh, I don't remember exactly where in East Palo Alto the press conference was. Magic Johnson was supposed to be there. I was there. Carly Fiorina, who I think at the time was head of what? Um, Hewlett, Hewlett Packard, Packard right? Hewlett Packard. She was there. And um, so we have the press conference. And then, um, and then we actually now get in a car that's part of the president's motorcade. And we go to the airport. It's phenomenal because, of course, there's no traffic because everything has been stopped because you're in the president's motorcade. And we go. And I just remember saying to someone, like, how do I know where to sit on the plane? Because there's no boarding pass or anything like that. And, and somebody just said, uh, you just look for the card that says your name on it. So the president boards the front. There's two entrances to Air Force One or maybe more. But he boards the one in the front by himself. You know, we've all now seen President Trump boarding the front of Air Force One with the toilet paper on his shoe. President Clinton did not have any toilet paper on his shoe, but he boarded the front and the rest of us board through the back of the plane. And for people who have seen the movie Air Force One, it, the plane, that plane, I, I don't know if it's the same one now, looked exactly like the, the plane on Air Force One, the movie. Anyway, I get on the plane and the flight attendants pulled me aside and he said, I'm a huge Yukon fan. At some point when we when we take after we take off, would you like to get a tour of the plane? So I said yes. So anyway, I found my seat because there was this name tag. It just said Air Force One welcomes Rebecca Lobo. And um, I'll t- actually I have that tag and I will take a picture of it and post it on our Instagram. And there are some other things that I took. You know, e- even though you're on Air Force One, there was an entertainment guide, you know, in the seat pocket in front of me. There was a, some Johnny Depp movie that was playing. I, I'll, I'll, I'll take a picture of that, too. Was there a Sky Mall catalog? Yeah, there, there may have been, but I didn't keep that, so I don't remember. But I do remember distinctly going, you know, once we got up in the air and the air and the flight attendant took me on a tour of the plane and, and in the very back, right near the bathrooms, of course, was where all the media were sitting. So if you were on the plane, you would have been sitting back there. And then on the other side um, are where the members of the Secret Service and the armed forces were sitting. Anyway, I'm getting a tour of the plane. At one point, you know, I see President Clinton working on his speech. Keep going forward. Get to the very front of the plane. And this is where the president's quarters are. There's a bed. I think the blanket had like the president's seal on it. And I'm taking pictures. I had a camera with me. So the the flight attendant. The president had a seal? (laughs) Yes. Yes, exactly. He had a he had a seal. They had to get it back to water very soon. Anyway, so I had a camera and the guy, the flight attendant was taking pictures, you know, wherever I wanted. He's like, he said, you know, you're not supposed to take pictures, but he was taking pictures. So anyway, right next to where the president's quarters were was a bathroom that had a shower, which had a steamer hanging over it. And then there was also a toilet. And the flight attendant said to me, Rebecca, he said, do you want me to take a picture of you sitting on the president's toilet? And um, I said, no, I have no interest in having my picture taken on the president's toilet. And he said, that's the picture everybody wants. So ultimately, I didn't have my picture sitting on the president's toilet. And I have to say, in hindsight, I kind of wish that I had. I think you would appreciate that picture in particular. I'd appreciate the picture for myself. I'm, I'm not sure that I long to have the picture of your wife sitting yes. on President Clinton's toilet. That's not a picture you long to have. Even mental picture. <laughs> so anyway, so we get we got um, to to the reservation. There was a press conference there. There was this adorable little girl. I'm guessing she's about six years old. She was sitting right in the front, and uh, and I said to her, I said, if if they give you guys a chance to ask questions, make sure you ask President Clinton what his favorite WNBA team is. So um, so after the press conference, you know, he's taking questions from the people that are in this. This was a smaller room that we were in. I think it was their library. Their, um, what, what they had hoped to become a digital center. And the girl did. She raised her hand and you knew she was going to get called on because she was the cutest little kid. And President Clinton called on her and she said, what's your favorite WNBA team? And like the perfect politician that he could be he said uh whatever team rebecca's playing for and then he said but also and then you you could see almost the wheels in his brain clicking he said oh but also my hometown team right now the washington mystics he didn't say but also all of the teams that rebecca's playing against 
Right, exactly. Yeah, he had no idea what team I think at the time I was playing for. So it was just whatever team she's playing for and my hometown team, the Washington Mystics. So anyway, I was thinking about that as I was, because that was also a Navajo reservation, as I was uh, in Fort Defiance this past weekend calling this WNBA game. So I've had two pretty awesome journeys to uh, to Native reservations in that part of the country. This has nothing to do with that, but you mentioned Fort Defiance. It makes me think of Fort Myers. And yesterday, Monday, Joe Maurer, uh, retired from the Minnesota Twins, a St. Paul kid, grew up in Minnesota, obviously he's, uh, had a great Hall of Fame career with the Twins and retired yesterday. And he thanked another great former twin, Justin Morneau, in his press conference and said uh, of Morneau, I knew we would be lifelong friends from the moment we first played pickup hockey in the aisle of a sports authority in Fort Myers, where the Twins have their spring training. And I just thought, a, who among us hasn't done that, hasn't thrown a football, shot hoops, played hockey in the aisle of a sporting goods store? Sports Authority is no longer with us. But I think we've been, we've been that, to that Sports Authority. You've bought yes. running shoes I've in that, running shoes in that, that. Sports yes. Authority one, one year when we were down there for Christmas. If it's the one at the Coconut Point Mall in Estero, yes, I'm sure it is. But anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. I just thought, uh, who among us hasn't, hasn't well, you know what? Like, played sports in the aisle of a sporting goods store. Let, let's make this pact with one another. At some point in the next year, you and I, even at our advanced middle ages, will go into a sporting goods store and play um, play hockey in one of the aisles. Let's, uh, I mean, why why should anyone outgrow that? You know, like why should a kid outgrow that? Why should a you know twenty something year old major I, league baseball player outgrow that? You and I should just. I mean, let's go to the, the Dicks in Canton and uh, and play hockey in you, one of the aisles and see, <laughs> see what happens. You imply that I haven't done this on a regular basis. Who, That's true. Who, who doesn't pick up a football from a barrel of footballs at Dick's and throw a, a 15-yarder across the middle. Yeah, that's true. But I, I think it's just that you and I have not done that together. You've probably done that when being being there with our son. I just think it would be fun to see six, two, six, four plus, you know, middle-aged people doing that in the uh and do you think that dick's management would find it fun as well i think they would absolutely love it especially if we went like at some point between thanksgiving and christmas on a weekend when it's probably packed full of people i think they would find that um charming don't you i think they would and while we're while i'm thinking of it um we record this podcast on a digital recorder with a sound card and you i take the sound card sound card out of the recorder you put it in your computer and you upload it to producer Denny Gallagher in New Jersey. And today, when you took the sound card and handed it to me to set up this recorder, it was hanging in, what is that thing called that you it's hanging tell me. in? It's just an adapter because the new Macs. But it's not you, just an adapter. It's called, it's called a dongle. Am I wrong? I, did, I was completely unaware of that phrase until a few days ago. A few days ago, uh, we were having a conversation with somebody who mentioned that there were headphone jack, the jackless headphones on the iPhone, is that what it is? Requires well, it, a do- You require an adapter that's called a dongle. Yes. She didn't say that's called a dongle. She just said it requires a dongle. And you said that the um, last time you got a phone, you threw away the packaging and, and in doing so had thrown away the, the dongle that had come with it. Yes. Can I elaborate just a little bit? So well, anyone who's gotten the new, the new iPhone that does not, you, doesn't have the headphone jack, it comes with that little, it's a tiny little dongle. <laughs> and that tiny little dongle I didn't realize was in the packaging. So, yes. I and as a result, out. I had to dumpster dive for your dongle in our <laughs> recycling barrel. Yes. After you realized you had thrown it away with the packaging. You, and you dumpster dived for the dongle. I dongle dived. I dongle dove. And uh, can we just say, fortunately for you, but unfortunately for me, it was an unsuccessful dongle dive. <laughs> Most of my dongle diving is unsuccessful. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad to know that. Well, anyway, I, I looked up the origin of the word dongle. Of uh, course you did. <laughs> I think it was a Mashable story that said so it, it dates back to 1981. Okay. And 1981. 1981. It's a technology thing, so not surprisingly that it's a relatively new construction. And that while nobody knows for sure, it is presumed to have derived from dangle, which it does out of the side of your computer, and 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 another word, the first four letters of dongle. So, I thought people should know that, since sometimes we dive into the origin of words, including last week's bedizen. I'm um, sleepy's I'm, called your bedizen. <laughs> I am 
interested in that. I'm first of all, I'm surprised that the word has existed since existed since 1981 because the first time I've ever heard it in that context was last week. So 17 years it took from an origin of a word to actually gracing my eardrum. Speaking of words and wordplay, we, we've spoken on previous podcasts about the t-shirt exercise. I thought you said extra fries. Right. Remember? Yes. Anybody remember that? Today, driving home from uh, dropping off our oldest at high school, I was behind a car in our town that said Pilates. I thought you said pie and lattes. <laughs> That's a little bit of a stretch. A little bit of a stretch, but I appreciate the sentiment. Pie and lattes. Did they have pictures like of a pie and no, of a just, latte? It was just too? the word. I, I conjured the image in my brain. I don't even think those things go together. Like, do you drink no, a no, latte it's, while it's, eating it's, pie? And the and also screws it up. I mean, exercise, now that you said extra fries, right. you can you can see mistaking those two. But Pilates, I thought you said pie and lattes is, is, is a bit of a stretch. But nevertheless, I appreciate the effort. Well, I didn't have pie or lattes when I was flying from Hartford down to Albuquerque, New Mexico. But I did fly through O'Hare Airport. And while I was on my three-hour layover at O'Hare which, by the way, the American terminal is much nicer than the United terminal at O'Hare. I hadn't been to the American terminal in I don't know how many years. Did you travel through the United, the birth canal, no. the subterranean birth canal no, with the, with uh, the, 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 dun, the spa dun, music dun, playing? Dun, 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 dun. No, um, I didn't. But I was in, so I was in the American terminal, which is actually relatively nice. Anyway, I was sitting there during my three-hour layover, and just across from me um, was a woman wearing an eye patch. And um, I thought it's that's the first time I've seen an adult in an, wearing an eye patch since Saturday Night Live two nights earlier. <laughs> well, yeah, but other than Saturday Night Live, you, you don't often see adults wearing an eye patch. I was fascinated by it, but I didn't quite have the nerve to ask her why she was wearing the eye patch. I don't patch. think it would require nerve; it would require a lack of uh, sense. Yeah, that's true too. And then while I was sitting there, after the woman with the eye patch left, a was guy, she on an iPad? <laughs> she may have been on an iPad. Or an iPod or an iPhone. But anyway, a guy came in and he had a handlebar mustache and it was a greased handlebar mustache. And and again, you only see people of a certain age with greased? those. Greased? I don't, I don't think I don't think it's Waxed. greased. Yeah. Whatever the whatever yeah. the the stuff is that they use gelled. But it was whatever it is. I don't think it's Pennzoil. <laughs> I don't know. But I was just thinking, like, you know, what are the chances that I mean, maybe at O'Hare in a three-hour layover, layover, the chances are very good. But I was wondering what the chances are that you, within a span of 35 or 40 minutes, are in very near proximity to a woman in an eye patch and a man with a waxed handlebar mustache. And by the way, when I was, I was taking notes in my phone and the iPhone, I just put stash and the iPhone immediately auto-corrected that to Stacy. So I was near a guy with a handlebar, Stacy, <laughs> according to the notes in my phone. Well, you went away on your trip that you've just described and left me here with with the minivan. You take my car to the airport. Say you left me here with four children. <laughs> well, you did that as well. Yes. Like you you um, went to the airport in my car. You leave my car at the airport for the weekend. And I have four kids with, with absolutely nothing on the schedule for the weekend, but so I have to drive them around to various places to, to keep them entertained. And as soon as I got in the van to go to our son's year-end soccer party, the flat tire warning light came on. I think it's low pressure, right? Isn't that what it says? Low tire pressure. The, the logo it's is, not the logo is it's a flat tire. The logo tire. is it's a tire, tire with, a, with a, a, a flat Okay. A deflated tire. Okay. And it's orange, and you can't you can't click out of it, so it just stays there. So you have to put black electrical tape over it to fix it. So I texted or you. Or if and you're s- like me, you immediately pull into the local yeah, uh, gas uh, station and well, on, fill up the on air, Saturday but, night. Okay. Go ahead. You take it in for service okay. on Veterans Day weekend. So okay. I texted you and said, "Was this flat tire light on the last time you drove the car? Which would have been you'd have been the last person to drive it." And you replied. No, but I did drive through broken glass last night on the way to basketball practice. So thank you for that. Well, I had forgotten. I I was driving our son to basketball practice, and there was a brand new accident. And I pulled up to it, and then a, a big truck pulled up behind me. 
There was no way for me to do a U-turn. There was no way for me to avoid slowly driving through the glass. And um, so I did. And got our son to practice. The light never went on. Did, did Came you think home, driving, the light never went on. Did you think that driving through it slowly would, would be better than I driving did. through it quickly? I did. You'd like to get more glass? Well, no. But I'm, I'm at a fresh scene of an accident. No matter what you do, whether there's glass or not, you have to drive slowly. There's other cars around. It was the only way for me to go. But anyway... Um, but I did. I forgot about it. And so when I, I was in New Mexico and you texted me that the, the tire pressure light was on, that's when it triggered. Oh, no, I went through the broken glass. So I was just think I was just figuring, OK, well, that's fine. We, you know, we have a couple local gas stations where you can just fill it up and we can just we'll deal with it until I get back and we can take the car in and get, you know, the tires fixed or whatever. So yesterday the, I fly home. And within a half hour of flying home, I've called the, the our Honda dealership and then called a tire place to, to get bring the car in so we can get the tires fixed. At which point you tell me the light hasn't gone on again. And of course, when you get the first cold weather of the season and the air pressure changes in the tires, usually you do have to put in put in some air. So you've put you put in air just once, right? Is this our our Mr. Goodwrench sponsored yes. uh, auto mechanical segment? Yes. So Mr. When, Goodwrench, when the, when, when the weather turns cold, you have to reinflate your tires. Is this the common knowledge? I, I don't. So. I haven't had to do it in my car. No. Usually, when the when the weather turns cold, or often when the weather turns cold, at least in our minivan, it doesn't happen nearly as much in your car. You have to put. It's just like the basketballs. When I leave the basketballs in the back of the car before practice, when the weather turns cold, all of a sudden the balls aren't as inflated, and you have to put more air. In the basketball. So anyway, I, I have since canceled our appointment with the dealership to bring to bring the car in because it seems like that solved the problem because it's been two days now and right. we haven't I, I lost put, any air. I put air in the tires. Right. Well, of course you did because that's how you solve the problem. Speaking of air, the, you know the free air at the gas station that I put in the tires. I heard today on the radio somebody was reading a story from some publication, so I can't vouch for the uh, scientific veracity of this, only that two people had claimed to have read and heard the same thing, that we've talked in the past on the podcast about that filthy infinite loop of cloth hand towel that you still see sometimes in machines in the public bathrooms. Well, this person was saying that the filthiest method of drying your hands in a public restroom is the hot air blowers because it's sucking in the uh, the contaminated air of the public restroom and, and then concentratedly blowing it onto your hands is that true I don't know but I, I it, it it gives me pause now when I when I dry my hands in a in a public restroom I mean generally I don't dry my hands in a public restroom I wash them and then like I kind of flick my hands and to get the excess water off of them and usually by the time you've gotten back to your car if you're at a rest stop or you back to your table if you're at a restaurant your hands dry really quickly. Like water doesn't stay on your hands. You probably nobody probably really needs to dry their hands. Then just like flip the water away, and then you're fine. It's just a waste of paper towel and um, and recirculated gross air. It's the classic, always scratched into the metal plate on those hand dryers that says you know uh, turn on dryer, rub hands together vigorously, and then number three, wipe hands on pants. And right. that's what I usually end up doing. Right. Exactly. I had your luck. You you didn't have my luck because of the um, the tire. But you tend when you travel places, you don't have good luck. You have to wait for stuff. You're you're the one who always gets caught at the red lights and caught in traffic. Your karma is not always terrific. And I I brought some of that with me when I when I went to New Mexico. First, I landed late. It was late at night. I go to pick up my rental car, and the computer system is down. So the girl has to do everything by hand. I'm sitting in the car waiting waiting to, to go out. She has to do everything by hand. So it takes maybe 20 minutes. She's writing down all the information on my license. She's writing down all the information on my credit card, whatever. So I'm sitting there just thinking, okay, I've got Steve's luck on this trip. I get to the hotel and they hand us a notice um, that that they just started renovations on the hotel. Like it was literally two days before. And I was thinking there isn't a worse time to be at a hotel for two reasons. One, the noise of the res- renovations and two, you're in a room that so desperately needs renovations, it's getting them, but just hasn't gotten them yet. And that was the case. My room was completely comfortable and clean, but I walked in and it definitely was in need of renovations, like old, dirty carpet and uh, just needed some updating. And so then when I get back, 
early morning flight, gotten up early, returning the rental car. And of course, the guy, I'm, I need my receipt because I'm going to be expensing it for a work trip. And he puts a thing in and he said, um, you know, are you sure this is the right rental car return? Well, of course it wasn't in his system because the computer was down when I had rented the car two days before. So I had to go through that whole rigmarole. That's a word that is definitely underused by our generation. So I went through that whole rigmarole to, um, to get my receipt so that I could then expense it. So anyway, it was very much a day of Steve Rush in luck. And I'm hoping on my next trip, I get back to my normal Rebecca Lobo luck when I travel because it, it was it was not good living in your world for a day and a half no, or two days. Trust me, I live in my world every day. Uh, this week's vocabulary words, if anybody's still listening, rigmarole, recombobulate, and dongle. Dongle. Have we said recombobulate yet? Or are we not, just not bringing, today. We're bringing it back. Well, when you said renovate, it made me think of recombobulate. Okay. Okay, because we haven't had enough of my awesome travel stories. I've got one more. So this is the one on my return trip. Once again, I was going from Albuquerque through O'Hare back to Hartford. And when I was... In the Albuquerque airport early in the morning. Why, why didn't you just get on the shuttle? Isn't there a shuttle that goes several times a day between Albuquerque and Hartford? <laughs> yes, exactly. So I needed aspirin because of my awesome trip. I had your luck. So anyway, so I go to one of the, the local or the, one of the airport little stores. Kiosk. The, no, it wasn't even a kiosk. It was, a, it was an actual store. And I'm in it. All I have is my little bottle of aspirin. And the guy in front of me has like four or five magazines. And first of all, he cut in front of me. Like as I was taking a step towards the counter to pay, he made sure to like slip right in front of me. All I had was this little thing of aspirin. He has four magazines. So he gets up there and his bill comes to $32.22. You bought $32 worth of magazines? That's only like four or five magazines. But I'm saying, God bless him. Yeah, God bless him. Yes. $32.22. So he gets up there and he unfolds his his wad of cash that he had pulled out of his pocket, pulls out $32, then goes into his wallet and like shakes out all the change he has. Then remove the paper covers from the, from the magazine yeah. covers. Well, and the thing was, I see he had two dimes. I saw him right in his hand because he had his bunch of change. He had two dimes and two pennies right there, but no, he had to like, you know, push all the change around to get his four nickels and two pennies. And I understand. All right. You want to get rid of more, more stuff, but I'm waiting here. So it takes me a while to get my turn. Again, this guy is cut in front of me, so I'm a little bit annoyed. So when we we both leave the store, we're walking towards our gate and he walks right onto the plane. I think he was a pilot because (laughs) the rest of the flight, I didn't see him. He wasn't a flight attendant. He wasn't dressed as a flight attendant. He must've been a pilot. He walked right on the plane, but was he the co-pilot? Like, why do you need magazines? It's a two and a half hour flight. But he bought four magazines. Well, I understand that at airport security and boarding, the pilot gets priority. But even even buying magazines <laughs> at the at the newsstand, they get to cut the line. Yeah, that seems that seems uh, unreasonable. And it was cold, so he had a top coat on, so I, I didn't notice if he was wearing a uniform, or that would have obviously tipped me off to the fact that he was a pilot. He wasn't wearing a hat or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, so as I, after I got on the plane and was like kind of searching around to see if there was any flight attendant that looked like this this dude. I was like, you know what? This guy's in the front of the plane. We're hitting turbulence, and he's looking through his GQ. Well, I do hope that uh, that one of the magazines that he bought is the magazine that I saw. I'm so glad you brought this up. I didn't know you were going to talk about magazines. A magazine that I saw checking out of Michael's Arts and Crafts store this weekend where I had gone with some of the children to try to get something for them to do over the weekend. That just makes me feel warm and fuzzy all over, honestly, that you took our kids to Michael's well, there to was get a lot, arts there, and crafts. There was a lot of stuff at Michael's that was warm and fuzzy, and we came <laughs> home with a lot of it. Anyway, I, I, we can post this. You can post this on the on the Instagram, but um, this is a magazine that I, uh, spoiler alert, that I want to get you a subscription for for Christmas. And I told the kids that we should get this for mom, or maybe one of the kids it, said to me we should get this for mom for Christmas. Is it Crock-Pot Monthly? It is ah. <laughs> Slow Cooker Magazine. Slow Cooker Magazine. So there you Better go. Better Homes and Gardens Slow Cooker Magazine. You, this this month's issue, Cooking for Company. You know what? You, you might have to buy a second crock pot if you're going to cook for company. And, and I cannot wait to see the size of the crock pot that fits a Thanksgiving turkey in it. 
That's one thing I would never do in a crock pot. And, 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 and while, while slow cooker magazine is awesome, it's not going to be enough for your slow cooking needs. So I'm also hoping to get you a subscription to Melting Meats magazine. <laughs> we have a book, a cookbook upstairs that has a ton of slow cooker recipes in it. And your sister gave it to me. It may have been a wedding gift. It may have been when we had one of our when we had our first child. And because she also, a mother of four, understands the vital part that the slow cooker can play in a uh, in the life of of a large family. So actually, that would be I would I would like a subscription to that. Or even if you see this, because we we've, we've talked so many times on this podcast about your difficulty in giving thoughtful gifts. Next time you see that magazine, buy it, wrap it, and that would be a great thing to to give me for Christmas. I may as well give you. A rolling pin to beat me with or something because <laughs> this gift wouldn't benefit me at all. And and can I just say I, I'm only I'm only noticing this now. I wish I had taken a wider shot. The other two magazines on this newsstand at Michael's checkout that I can see. First of all, somebody uh, somebody has stuck a uh, a car magnet on the metallic newsstand thing that says, "If my dog doesn't like you, neither do I," which seems to be a perfect uh, uh, sort of companion piece to these magazines. The other two magazines I can see are. Knits, K-N-I-T-S, and quilts and more. At a store like that, they should probably also have a magazine, Knits, N-I-T-S, especially during lice season, because that's when everyone needs to know how ah, to remove the lice from their hair. I'm sure they do. Well, my I, I lied before. I have one more story about my travels. And, um, and this one again, so flying, I don't remember which leg of the flight this was, but uh, you know, it was from Albuquerque to Chicago. We landed and as we're taxiing, the gentleman sitting next to me started doing these arm movements. First it was they his hands looked like he was steering the plane and then it was like these slow Mr. Miyagi like karate chops and just movements. So he didn't do any of them while we were in the air, but after we landed, it was, I don't know if it was a yoga thing. I don't know if it was, it was to help him physically prepare for his day in Chicago. If it was could a it mental. A, could it have been a seizure? No, no, because it was smooth and fluid and flowing and his hands were just, just doing these odd gestures because there was, you know, we're on a plane, but it was, um, I almost wanted to try to do the same thing and mimic him and just see if it made me feel any better or more alive. But I thought he would feel that that was a infringement on his, his space and whatever Zen space he was trying to get to. Did he have a greased handlebar mustache? <laughs> and an eye patch, coincidentally. I was driving with our daughter, our oldest daughter the other day, and I mean, actually, we were walking. We've been going for this series of, of walks now that she doesn't have practice after school. I, I take a break from my sitting at a desk all day and take a... And instead of like Roll Dahl having a drink, you go for a walk. I have a walk, daughter. yes, while having a drink. And we passed a stretch of road not too far from our house that had a bunch of trash, beer cans, a place where kids toss their beer cans out of car windows, apparently, at night. And I said to our daughter, the next time we walk along here, we should bring a trash bag and pick this stuff up. And she said, or get one of those trash stabbers. <laughs> Is that their official name? Well, after which she said, where do you even get a trash stabber? <laughs> Did you say if you do something that warrants community service, they'll provide one for you? I think they will. And But it got me thinking, I would love to have a trash stabber. And I, I meant to investigate it online, but I haven't haven't done that yet. I'm that, sure one of our, our one of our listeners probably owns a trash stabber or at least a ski pole, you could, which serves the same function, I think. Well, next time you go to Michael's, I'm sure you could just, or even go to the hardware store, get a broom handle and a nail. No, no, no. And I make want, your own trash I stabber. I don't want a homemade one. I want a professional one. I want the would best. You, do um, you want a trash stabber or a trash grabber? Because you have the ones that are like, you know, you stab them, but then when you put the trash in the bag, you have to use your hand to pull it off? Or do you want the ones that are like with little pincers at the end it's so like, you it's can like when grab you, it well, you know, and drop it? That depends. Are you the kind of person who likes who, who likes to put, use a fork and, and denude the kebab of the, of the meat and peppers before you eat it? Or do you like to bite it eat off? it Henry VIII style you off just, of the kebab itself? Just look for a six-foot tong. That would work. You know, like just giant, 
pick it up, drop it in. I wonder if they make such a thing. <laughs> so, so this podcast, we've used both tong and dongle. <laughs> six-foot tong. We did not use six-foot dongle. <laughs> if, if you get a six-foot tongle, you, you could do a lot of stuff with your computer. And the other thing that I was thinking of, I, that our daughters in high school, um, they somebody but the school posted a picture of their debate club, I believe it was, and uh, it looked great. It looks like a great club, like a great, maybe it was a class. I don't know. No, it was a club, yeah. It was a club. And, um, and it was a, a, a lot of boys, right? Yes. A few girls. And you said that a lot of the boys, and this is just high school anywhere. This is not particular to any particular school, were They're manspreading. manspreading. They're these boys in their khaki pants and their, their uniform button-down shirts slumped in their seats and totally manspreading. And, and I thought, given the the, um, the gender makeup of the class and, and all of the, the posture of the boys, I thought an alternative name, instead of, instead of debate, it could have been uh, called manspreading and mansplaining. Yeah, that would have actually been a perfect I have a feeling a lot of both is going on. The M&M Club. You got it. The opposite of manspreading is what I saw when I went into your office one day last week, and I don't know if you're going to remember this, but I walked into your office. Was I contracting in some way? <laughs> no. You were sitting <laughs> You were sitting at your desk chair. This is in the afternoon where, admittedly, you can get a bit peckish. <laughs> but I walked in. And you you have a your chair swivels and you turned your back to me and then I walked around and you turned and faced me, and you were clutching, and sort of like, like, hunched over a bag of chips. Oh, he... Not a, not a not a little bag of chips, a, a single serving bag of chips, but like you must have gone into the kitchen. And I don't remember if it was Doritos. It was it was Tostitos. It was Tostitos, and you were eating your chips and. I don't know. I was, like, for, I, I was like, a, I was like, a, I remember this, and I was like a squirrel with a nut. I was just, I looked up surprised, and then you, I kind of protected you were completely the completely uh, hunched over this bag of chips, and I just looked at you like you pathetic creature. I would, I would have no problem with you eating your chips in we've, your office in the late afternoon, or that it was this like we've it was talked like about a giant family sized bag of chips. I didn't care about that either. Although in the future, maybe you should just pour them into a bowl and bring the bowl in your office. We've but talked to about see this. you completely around your bag of chips was one of the funnier <laughs> things I've walked on, we've, walked we've, in on. We've talked about this before. It's a product of my of my childhood. I always had to eat furtively. I was like a fugitive on the on the lamb. You'd have to go into the kitchen. This was in the in the days before these open concept kitchens and stuff, where where the kitchen was a separate room, and you would go in there, and you'd open the cabinet, and you would try to open the the box of Hydrox cookies or whatever without the wrapper crinkling because Who mom could hear from, from, a mi- from, from, from your mom, mom or from your siblings from, who would then from rip it both, out of your hands. All of these things. I mean, it, it okay. was like it was a kaleidoscopic group of predators ready to either take the food from you or Steve's having a cookie. Can I have one? Or my mom say, we're going to have dinner in three and a half hours. Don't be snacking. So uh, to this day, that hasn't left me, and I still sneak food in my own home. The only time that I don't do it, actually, there is no time that I don't do it. I was going to say is when nobody's home, but the dog is always here. And if the dog catches the, the packaging rattling, she comes down and wants a piece of whatever it is that I'm, that I'm eating. Well, it was, uh, it was highly entertaining, and, um, and we really need to set a better example for the kids. Because the other day, too... I mean, I'm constantly telling our son, you know, he's having breakfast, even if I've made him like bacon and eggs for breakfast, which tends to be his go to in the morning. Um, all of a sudden, you know, I'm doing stuff, making lunches or whatever. I look up and he's standing somewhere with the fork in his mouth. Like, sit down. You sit when you eat. Like, sit down at the table. But I know where he gets it from because then I'll look and I'll see you standing and eating something. Like, what? It may be too late because at our son's soccer pizza party the pizza parlor on friday night uh, i also brought our our 12 year old and she there was ample seating for everybody at plenty of tables in this private room of this pizza parlor she got her piece of slice of pizza and she stood there eating it over a plate and i said sit down to eat it and she said no i'm good i just want to stand here and i turned to the person i was talking to and i said she's used to seeing her father eating over a sink and as I've done for for decades prior to getting married and and I think that has passed 
genetically onto our children. I know. Well, we, we need to try to break that cycle because eating is something that you're supposed to do sitting down at a table. Eating is something you're supposed to do with your, while cornered, with your, with your facing a corner, aware of predators uh, in, in, in silence. Yes, so right. as not to be called out on it. Well, it, I mean, and we've talked about you letting our little our littlest eat her ice cream while taking a bath. That was only once, and she knows that that was like a crazy thing to happen. Our kids don't think it's crazy to to to, to pace around and eat pizza going from one room to the next with a paper plate under it. We, we need to be sitting at a table, or at least sitting, period, and eating. No more standing and eating. No more walking and eating. Eating is something you're supposed to do sitting down. You're talking to somebody who, as a as an adult in his mid-20s, owned a single lamp in his apartment that he, I, would carry from room to room like, like Liberty's Beacon uh, rather Please than get a second lamp. it was lamp. a loft apartment. It what wasn't was a loft it? apartment. I would just, there weren't How that many, many rooms? rooms. There were, there were three rooms, but I would carry the lamp from room to, I would carry, I would You'd have, here's the lamp on in. my desk. Then if I went to sit on the couch and read, I'd bring the lamp over there and plug it in, of course. Then when I would go to bed at night, I would bring it into the bedroom and plug it was in. Was this right out of college when you no, had no, no. no money or did you have enough money to buy in more I had, lamps? I had, I had, I had enough money to buy two more lamps. And Why yet I chose you? not to. I don't know. I don't like shopping, as you know, and uh, and it didn't bother me. It bothered my sister quite a lot, but it didn't bother me. Well, of course it bothered your sister. It bothers me now, and it happened 30 years ago. But while we're on the subject of food and pizzas, and I'm just looking at, at the notes on my phone here, I just wrote this quote down, and I'm now remembering the context. I, I don't remember the context, but uh, our youngest did say to me this week, I think you're out of town. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it came from us deciding what we were going to get for dinner and where we were going to get it from. And nobody wanted to leave the house, but they did want to eat. And our youngest said, do some people still come to your door and ding-dong deliver a pizza, but not in a taxi? Meaning, not Uber Eats, but, you know, the guy the with the sign on top of the guy. car. Yeah, and I said, sure they do. And then did you say, and let's, let's I'm going to prove to you that they do. I'm going to call one of the local pizza places that delivers and order a pizza. Or did you just get one of the frozen ones and put it in the oven? I went to the grocery and got two frozen ones and put them in the oven. They got eaten. In fact, they got eaten with the chicken nuggets that I got. Two of them wanted chicken nuggets. Two of them wanted pizza. I got them both. They, All of them ended up eating both of them. And our youngest did say, chicken nuggets and pizza, hashtag live in the dream. To which our 12-year-old said. Wait a said, minute. That's what our 8-year-old said. Chicken our, nuggets and pizza. And she said, hashtag live in the dream. Our eight-year-old said she came into the kitchen, she saw the chicken nuggets and the pizza. She thought she was only getting pizza. And she said, and I quote, chicken nuggets and pizza, hashtag live in the dream. What about her makes you think she didn't say that? No, I, I, I completely believe that To which our 12-year-old said instantly, hashtag dad dinner, hashtag mom's gone, hashtag carbs. <laughs> She threw in a hashtag carbs. How does she even know about carbs? I don't know, carbs? but she does, and oh. she did. Oh, gosh, that just hurts my heart. Well, I'm home, <laughs> and I'm home for a while, and um, bye-bye, hashtags. Bye-bye. <laughs> mama's bye. back. Bye -bye. Hashtag mama's back. Bye-bye, frozen pizza. Hello, melting meats. <laughs> well, it's probably time for viewer mail, and before we um, get to viewer mail, before we, we get into the viewer mail itself, Tom, Dick, and Hari have recorded the viewer mail theme song for us. Should we listen to it? I think for sure we have to. It's terrific. Let's hear it. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. In case uh, my brother Tom failed to enunciate there, those lyrics are, bait that hook, throw out a lure, reel us in with that viewer mail. And I'll, I'll post that on Twitter, too. Of course, our Twitter is at Ball and Chain Pod. Instagram is at Ball and Chain Podcast. But, uh, but I think it's... It, and we got a viewer mail today from Tanya. Last week, I posted on Twitter the Ball and Chain crossword. And she asked, of course, that means this week, like newspapers used to do, we'll post the answers. And yes, Tanya, I will on our Twitter feed post the answers to the Ball and Chain Podcast this now, week. If we could just get a Ball and Chain wordy gurdy. The scramble, or or possibly a, a three-panel comic strip, we'd have the full the double spread of that newspaper, circa 1988, that that I loved so much. And we each week there would also be a slow cooker recipe. 
Oh, that'd be perfect. Um, this is a this is a viewer mail sent into uh, Gmail. That's ballandchainpod at gmail.com. This comes from, where does this come from? This comes from Mark in Connecticut. Mark says uh, he appreciated you, Rebecca, calling out a couple of weeks ago the people in Starbucks who hang out in their spandex. They're violating an age-old cardinal rule of the sport to never be caught more than an arm's length from your bike while wearing spandex. I often frequent Starbucks after riding, writes Mark, but you'd never know because I am in jeans and a t-shirt and freshly showered. While Lycra provides an aerodynamic advantage in the wind and prevents unwieldy yet hilarious crashes, have you ever had baggy shorts get caught around a bike seat? It has no proven scientific advantage while waiting in line to get a latte. And that's our second mention of a latte today. What was the first one? Remind me, it was the... Pilates? Pilates. It was pie and lattes. Lattes. We've also gotten a ton of Twitter response about the Aldi grocery store and especially where they're chain the, the grocery store chain because i said i'd never seen one and uh, a lot of people in connecticut have sent me tweets letting me know where we can find an aldi so you and i maybe on the same day that we do the field trip to dick sporting goods and play in the aisles there maybe we can go to an aldi and experience especially the cart return the quarter cart return at the wonderful aldi supermarket we can play quarterback at dick's and get our quarterback at aldi's that's a good one. Uh, ball and chain pot at Gmail. Michelle writes, uh, thanks for the trip down memory lane this week. I loved when Rebecca gave a shout out to Whatchamacallit's, your favorite candy bar, of course. Mm-hmm. A candy bar I too loved, but can't always find when I want a chocolate fix. Then Steve took it way back with Marathon Bars, which was my fave in the 70s. Steve, do you remember Summit Candy Bars? They were around for a short time in the, in the 80s and were like a Twix bar with a twist. I'm looking at the uh, photo that she provides of Summit candy bars. It's an ad. It says, Peanuts, Wafers, and Light Summit. And I have no recollection whatsoever of this short-lived candy bar called Summit. And it looks to me almost like a, uh, a Baby Ruth uh, and, a, and a Twix got together and had, had twins. Uh, baby they called Twix. it Summit. Yes. Okay. It's been a long time since we've talked about the swag map. How many states are still outstanding you know, on the swag map. Well, we've sent swag to uh, several foreign countries now. We've sent it to Germany. We've sent it to the UK. We've sent it uh, all over Canada, all over maybe an exaggeration, but to several places in Canada. We've sent it to Washington, D.C., which wasn't even on the original map, but we still have not sent swag to Delaware and West Virginia. We may have to drive to those two states the day that we go to Aldi's and Dick's and just uh, throw some uh, beer coasters out the window. I want to find out um, what's going on. Do you think that means we have no listeners in those two places or just that the listeners in those two places don't want stuff or don't ask for stuff? What's our what's our philosophy there? My guess is that we have no listeners in Delaware or West Virginia, nor do we have any listeners who have relatives in Delaware or West Virginia. I mean, I'm looking right now. And just in the last week, we have people who have listened to this podcast in Israel Myanmar, the Philippines, Republic of Korea, Poland. Like, we've got places, people listening all over the world, but we can't get somebody in West Virginia and Delaware to request some swag. Come on, West Virginians and Delawareans. Forget that. Myanmarians. Myanmarians. Send um, us your address so we can get you a uh, get you a car magnet. I don't know where Matt is from. He doesn't leave a hometown, but Matt writes in to say, and, and I love that I can read these things a week or two later and have no memory of the context. But this, again, it was in, must have come from our candy discussion. Matt writes, score bars only exist big, sadly. And the header on this email is no fun size. So you must have asked if there were fun size there score other, bars. Oh, no, it was the conversation was what other candy bars don't only, come in fun size. My mother used to love score bars. And that's Those funny because the, my mother loved Heath bars, and they were they were similar. variations on the same theme, yeah, except bars, that Heath bars were better. Yes, no, I think score bars are a little bit better, and um, but it's true Heath bars are made in fun size, but score bars are not. I think the score bar they got in trouble because I think one of their advertisements was you can never be too rich or too thin. And then it was a picture of a score bar, um, which is kind of a, a offensive <laughs> uh, tagline. But And if you did have unlimited money, you would probably spend most of that on buying score bars. <laughs> if you had unlimited money, you would set up a factory to make score, score bars in a fun size. Well, Heath bars 
are what I would have to surrender to my mom after trick-or-treating every year. Milk duds are what I would have to surrender to my dad. I remember the first time you told me that. You didn't tell me about the score bars to your mom, but you said that... Not score would, bars, Heath bars oh, to sorry, my mom. sorry, Heath bars. That when you came home from trick-or-treating that your dad would take the milk duds and, Before uh, I could go upstairs with yeah. my with my uh, loot, and he, I he would remove it, all the milk duds. My parents would never take any of our candy, and I remember just thinking, like, that's horrible. I can't believe your dad would take your milk duds. And then, I don't know, it wasn't just this year, but in years past, when the kids have come home, there's sometimes I'll be like, can I look in your ba- bag? And then if there's a candy in there that uh, we don't have left over from the stash we've been g- giving out, say, you know, can I have whatever? I do ask. I don't make them surrender, but I have gone to taking some of our kids' candy after Halloween. That's because, so I understand your father a little bit better That's because now. my parents didn't ask permission uh, to do stuff in their own house, Un- unlike ourselves. And, and this morning I actually heard uh, Howard Stern talking about this, how Stan Lee died, of course, the great Marvel Comics mastermind. And, and Howard was lamenting that, that his mother had thrown away all of his comic books when he was a kid. And he said it was like living in a prison. You would come home and you, the guards had taken away your food or the guards had taken away your clothes. And that's the way absolutely it was at my house. You would you might come home to find some of your stuff had been thrown away. And now, of course, we ask our kids permission to uh, toss some of their junk, of which they have way too much. So. Well, I, I now applaud the restraint that my mother had because... She never threw away stuff that was in our room. She basically was hands-off when it came to our rooms, and um, I have a hard time with that now. I'll walk by one of the kids' rooms, and it's a mess, and I'll go in and tidy it up. And my mom didn't do that probably because she didn't have time. She was going to work all day and then doing everything else she needed to do when she came home. But, um, but yeah, my, my parents didn't throw stuff away. They just simply stayed out of the nasty room that we called our bedroom. Okay, we got to wrap this up. I'm, I just want to wrap it up. By you were out of town. I went to mass this Sunday and uh, sat in the middle of the pew with the kids. And at the end of mass, while they were singing nine verses of the of the recessional, eight verses in after the priest had long left the building, I went to make a move to exit the pew, and I couldn't get out on the right, and I couldn't get on the out on the left. But the person on my left, a friend of ours and a podcast listener was on that left-hand aisle, and I said to him, you're a reverse aisle sealer. And he knew exactly what I was talking about, and he stepped aside to let us out. Thank you, Brian. And thank you, Denny Gallagher. Thank you, Tom Dick and Hari. Anybody else to thank this week? That's it. Now it's time. Tom Dick Hari, play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in the cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, what we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.